Hey guys, I would like to say how grateful I am for Mark and Meredith and Kaylin for leading us in song, like in singing tonight. Um, I have realized, uh, y'all realize I turned 30 in like a month and a half. A-A-R-P, A-A-R-P, all right? So um, one of the things I've learned is that I don't bounce back from these trips quite as quickly, and Tanya was actually over here, and it's like the first, like, beat, like, let's sing, and I sounded like a, like a goat. It was like, ah, like, so um, I want to appreciate, like, people that actually can sing, lending their talents to do that. Actually, Scott, like, first greenhouse of the year, he turns around to me while we were singing. He goes, hey, bro, can I ask you a serious question? I said, yeah, man, what's up? And I thought we had something really profound to talk about. He said, do you just, like, sing off key on purpose? I'm like, oh, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Gutted. All right. Hey, so we are continuing... (laughs) our series talking about the disciples. And tonight, uh, we, we have a really special disciple to talk about. Um, and he's, he's one that gets like the second most flack of all of the disciples, I feel like. It's not Judas, okay? Um, so I'll just, I'll just preface that by saying, uh, so tonight we're actually talking about Thomas, okay? And uh, very few times as I've heard this story and, and this message preached, that, that I've heard it kind of like, hey, you know, I, I've heard it like really dogging Thomas a lot of times, like how dare he. But, but what we're going to see tonight is we're going to see like, yeah, Thomas had some doubts. That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas had some things that he was still trying to process and figure out. But what's awesome is the fact that Jesus' response to Thomas in this, in this moment, in these moments, man, is something so important for us as believers, for us as Christians. And so, as I said, we're continuing our study on disciples And we talked last week how a disciple is a daily follower of Jesus, but he's also a daily learner from Jesus. That he's somebody who day in and day out is following the Lord, is pursuing the Lord, who's going where the Lord is calling them to go. But at the same time, they're also submitting to learning as much about the Lord as they can on a daily basis. And for all of us as followers, that's important for us to do because, guys, there's never going to come this moment in our life that we're going to roll out of bed, look at ourselves in the mirror, and all of a sudden, Jesus... We're not, we're not going to accidentally trip up and become more godly. It takes an intentional effort day in, day out, day in and day out. And so like I said, we're talking about doubting Thomas tonight. And throughout the Bible, there are all kinds of people with nicknames. You've got David, a man after God's own heart. You've got Peter who, like quite literally, like Jesus looks at him and calls him the rock. Like he was the rock before Dwayne, okay? Like all that stuff. And then you have doubting Thomas, which is not really a nickname that you necessarily want. And, and, and the other option is what we're going to see in John chapter 20 is that it's also called Thomas the twin. And I was trying to figure out, okay, why, why is that? Because there's some scholars that believe that Thomas's actual name was Judas. And so you have two choices if you're Thomas. You can either be doubting Thomas or you could also be named Judas, rock hard place. You don't want either of those, right? And, and so all of us, like throughout scripture, you have these nicknames that really attribute great things to these people, right? Does anybody have like any weird nicknames that either you've been called or you know somebody at your school who's been called? Some of them, uh, uh, let me rephrase that, uh, appropriate nicknames, but also appropriate backstories and the place goes silent, right? So um, let me preface this story 
Guys, look at me for just a second. Let me preface this story. Uh, I came to start following Christ when I was a senior in high school. So this story is about my junior year of high school. And you guys know, um, basically, I'm like the greatest football player that's ever lived. And uh, so here I am. I'm, I'm in high school. Sarah, have I told you this story? Uh, probably. <laughs> we talk a lot. We're good friends. So here we go. Um, I, I'm a junior. I'm an upperclassman. I've started my freshman year. I've started my sophomore year. I'm going into my junior year. I'm probably going to start, right, linebacker, running back, everything like that. We have a new kid that moves in. We have a new kid that moves in, and this guy is, hey, ninth graders, this is not a knock on you guys. This guy is a freshman. Ooh, already fighting an uphill battle. And, like, to the point where we just started calling him double A, which stood for All-American, and you'll see why. And to a degree where I just started calling him double A to a point that to this day, I don't even remember the kid's real name, (laughs) okay? And so double A comes in as a freshman in Kentucky. We don't take football as seriously as y'all in Alabama do, all right? So we have one week of where we just wear helmets. We have one week where we just wear helmets and shoulder pads, and then finally... We get to hit people, right? And for two weeks, I've listened to this freshman come in here who's playing my running back position and my linebacker position, and I've listened to him talk. And and like I said, you you know how some people, you know, this number, okay? And he's talking so for two weeks straight. He's just talking big stuff. He said, bro, and he kept saying, bro, 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 we're going to do it, bro. And like, coach, as soon as we get pads, bro, like all bets are off, bro. And bro, bro, bro. And I just remember, like, I was calm about it because I knew, I looked at him, I looked at me, he can't take me. Anyways, so we have our pads, the first day of pads. Again, mind you, not following the Lord this time. And we're doing tackling drills and he gets the ball and he looks, he said, uh-uh, coach, I want to go against Hunter. To, to summarize the story, he was out three weeks with a concussion. Um, so, and you hired me anyway. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, double A, here we go. So, so we, we, we attribute nicknames to people, right? And, and, and all this, so Thomas gets this name that's Doubting Thomas. And we're going to see tonight, this is why. But guys, again, understand this. Like, yeah, Thomas had some things that he was thinking through. He was some figuring things out. But the heart of Jesus is so awesome in this story. So pick up with me, John chapter 20, beginning of verse 24. It says this, it says, Now Thomas was one of the twelve called the twin, and he was not with them when Jesus came. So pause right there for a second. You got to go look earlier in chapter 20. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and now he is appearing to people off and on. He shows up to Mary, he shows up to Mary Magdalene, he shows up to the rest of the disciples. And he's like, hey guys, what's up? What you been up to this weekend? How's it going? You know, that kind of stuff, right? But Thomas was not there at that moment. Now, why is that? There could be a lot of explanations for it, but one of the reasons why Thomas, like, you see, after Jesus died on the cross and was, res- and was laid in the tomb, the disciples scattered. The disciples scattered because they're smart and they know they just absolutely beat and crucified the only perfect man to walk the face of this earth. Imagine what they would do to me. And they realized they were guilty by association. 
And you see this happen all the time in life, that sometimes those that are associated are, are also kind of go down with the ship, right? So uh, to use another football story, I actually coached high school football when I was a senior in college. As proof, I would like to show you my action shot. Look at that. Yes. It was incredible. It was the greatest three weeks of my life. Three weeks. We started the season 0-3. They fired the head coach. They brought in a new head coach, okay? The new head coach called a staff meeting. He brought the coaches together, and he said, boys, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the second winningest coach in Kentucky high school football history. I know what I want, how I want it, and I'll just tell you right now, some of y'all don't fit the bill. Next day, fired, <laughs> right? I went down with the ship, right? And so all that to say, I'm not coaching football anymore. Um, so anyways, all that to say, so Thomas is, is gone when Jesus arrives to the rest of the disciples because he's worried that he's going to be guilty by association. He's worried about what could happen to them if these people that just crucified Jesus find him now. And so continue on, continue on, verse 25. It says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, guys, unless I see his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. It is that moment where that doubting feeling starts coming in for Thomas. The disciples, the, 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 the rest of the guys are sitting here, and they're like, Thomas, bro, you're not going to believe what you just missed. Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. And, and I imagine that Thomas at this moment thinks they're, they're playing like a really cruel, practical joke on them, Okay. Have anybody, like, seen cruel, practical jokes, like, that the whole group is in on it? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. So there was a time when I was working security in New Orleans that we got off night shift myself, my, my band of merry men, okay? And we went to the greatest place, the greatest restaurant known to mankind, Waffle House. Waffle House at 6 o'clock in the morning in the rough part of town of New Orleans. It's a great place, y'all. And we were talking, we were driving over there. I said, man, how cool would it be if we all just like mess with the guy cooking? First off, there's a lot of people I want to pick fights with, but not the waffle artisan at the Waffle House because he is doing the Lord's work right there. But anyways, all that to say, and he's like, what if like one by one we all go, like it's pronounced waffle, right? W-A-F-F-L-E for those of you that can't spell. He said, what if we say, like, go down one, one by one, we say, wiffle, woofle, waffle, and, and we, just, we just mispronounced waffle and mess with the guy. I'm like, guys, that sounds hilarious. I'm in. And I'm the first one. And he said, hey, what do you want? And I said, can I get a chocolate chip wiffle? He said, did you just say wiffle? Nah, bro. He, said, he looked at my friend and said, did he just say wiffle? Bro, you totally did, man. I was like, they threw me under the bus so bad. I was so upset. Put out offers for new friends at that moment. Made me very, very sad. There's also, uh, to tell you a story, when I was like your all's age, my student pastor used to say the word seriously a lot. He's got seriously, Jesus, serious, all this stuff. And uh, there was a show called Pee Wee's Playhouse. And some of you who are familiar with it, they had the secret word of the day. And one day we all got together and we decided, one day we all got together and decided. <laughs> that we were going to have seriously was going to be the secret word of the day. And as soon as Andy said seriously, we go, ah, it's the word of the day. Thank you, runners. Thank you. All right. So, so Paul, or <laughs> completely off. So here we go. Thomas is sitting here. He's like, guys, no. There is absolutely no way that this has happened. And understand who Thomas is. This is a disciple. Okay. If you think of like the spiritual elite 
the, 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 the guys who have the greatest faith in the world, it's going to be the dudes who are walking side by side with Jesus every step of his journey, every step of the way. Thomas has seen Jesus do amazing things at this time. But right here in this moment, they're like, Jesus has risen from the dead. When his friends and the people he trusts the most are saying, it literally happened, he says, I don't think so. It's really easy for us to point this accusatory finger here at Thomas and be like, you idiot. Why don't you figure this out? But, but understand this, like everything, like the trauma that Thomas has just witnessed come to this moment and you've got to think that it's, it, we can't really blame him for taking a moment to stop and like process and stop and try and think things. But what Thomas does, he takes it kind of a step too far. And, and he sits here and he just starts overanalyzing everything. He just starts overanalyzing. Now listen to me, you should never just blindly follow things. Always weigh it out. Always make sure. I'm not, I'm not going to say just blindly follow things. But on the flip side, sometimes we overanalyze so much that we become paralyzed to what we are looking to do. And, and, and I keep saying Paul, and Thomas is sitting here, he's like, guys, there's no way. I saw what happened. There's no possible way that this could happen. And this is where that doubt starts coming, and this is where that doubt that starts defining the rest of Thomas's life sets in here. And guys, understand this, guys, when doubt sets in in your life, when fear, when doubt, when anxiety, when those things start taking root in your life, it becomes all you can think about. It becomes all-consuming, does it not? So let's take, for instance, um, for you guys, maybe you take a big test on a Friday and you're not sure you did good on it. What are you thinking about all weekend long? That test. What grade did I get? Well, what did I put for this one? Well, so-and-so put B. I only know that because I looked on her paper, but she put B. Like, and you just think about these things all the time. Guys, the same thing happens to me in my life now because I leave home with the baby in the back seat and I'm going to drop him off. And I keep thinking like, are there diapers in the bag? Are there wipes in the bag? What do I have the backup onesie in case he spits up and or poops on himself? Did I close all the doors? Is the chocolate on the counter for the dog to get into again? Did I close the garage door? All these things, guys, those doubts. Sit, and I sit in the office, Pastor Kevin, and I think about these things all the time. <laughs> I closed the garage door today, by the way. Thank you. All these things, guys, if that doubt sits in, it takes root and it becomes all you can think about. And it rules over you day in and day out. And that's what's happened here to Thomas. And so picking up, moving on, verse 26. It says, eight days later, pause. At what point, <laughs> Thomas is probably sitting here and they're like, guys, we're serious. No, you're not. We're dead serious. No, you're not. Eight days go by. Eight days later, his disciples Jesus' disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Picture this. Now all the guys are sitting here together, and then all of a sudden, pop, Jesus shows up on the scene. The door's locked. There's no way he could have, he wasn't hiding under the table. Surprise party or anything like that. And if that were me at this moment for Thomas, I'm freaking out. All right, Dr. Strange, like, what, are, what do you want? I'm, I'm worried at this moment. But Jesus shows up, and what's the first thing that Jesus says directed at Thomas? Peace. Now, imagine that, that, that this guy, for probably the better part of a week, his life has been characterized by fear, anxiety, doubt. His Lord steps on the scene, shows up, and the first words out of his mind, out of his mouth, is peace. 
Because Jesus has some really incredible things to say. Jesus says, peace, picking up again, verse 27. It says this. He said, then, he said to Th- then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I, I find it so incredible that Jesus in these moments that, that understand everything that Thomas has done at this point is he's seen Jesus do incredible things. He's just witnessed Jesus like show up through a locked door, okay? Like there's reason to believe him. And Jesus' words are peace. Come feel. Peace, come look at this. Peace, come experience the things that you're looking for. Come experience these things. They're going to remove all doubt from your life. I, I think it's so great that Jesus doesn't show up when he has every right to be and show up and say, Thomas, you idiot. Thomas, Let's take a journey back through time here in just a little bit. You were there when I called you to be my disciple. You were there when I made a few loaves of bread and a few fish feed everybody. You were there when everything was going wrong on this boat and the wind and the seas and everything. And I said, hey, y'all hush up. And it stopped. You were there during all these things. Why are you disbelieving? Why are you doubting, you stupid idiot? I love the fact that my Jesus in my ignorance and in my freaking out moments and in my stupidity looks at me and he doesn't yell at me and he doesn't beat me down, but he says, peace. Because that's the heart of a compassionate God and that's the heart of a compassionate God that is worth serving. And Jesus says, God, don't disbelieve. Forget all the doubt, forget all the things, buddy. Come and feel. Taste, touch, look, smell, feel. Come and feel that this is real. Come and see that all of this is real. And I love that fact that that right here, Jesus is sitting here and he meets Thomas in this doubt. And and he's saying to Thomas, I don't care that you don't have everything figured out. I don't care that you don't have all of your doubts figured out. I don't care that you're not a perfect, gleaming picture of art right now. I don't care that you're just smashed into all pieces right now. I love you just the way you are. And I want to invite you to have peace. And I want to invite you to experience the goodness of the resurrection of what I've just done. Because you look at what Jesus did, what Jesus is quite honestly saying to Thomas is, buddy, see what I have just experienced. See what I've just done. See what I've just done for you. And you see Thomas's response in verse 28. It says this, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed as well. We, we just talked about how Thomas was at a front row seat and he has seen every miracle. He has heard every word. He has seen every step that Jesus has taken on this ministry. He knows how great of a person Jesus is. But it's at this moment right now that Thomas feels and he experiences for himself what Jesus has done for him, that his life has absolutely changed. 
I, I, I sit here and I was kind of thinking about this. Okay, like how easy would it have been for Thomas to follow along with the rest of his disciples, right? Because there were 11 more of them. How easy it could have been for him just traditionally to follow along with what everybody else was doing. Because this was the crowd. This was the hip thing in his circle. That they're like, let's go and let's follow and let's do all these things. And the question that I have for all of us that, that, that really I want us to wrestle with as well is, are we following Jesus out of tradition? Are we following Jesus out of obligation? Are we following Jesus because we are in Huntsville, Alabama, the belt of the Bible belt, baby? the buckle of the Bible belt, baby? Are we following Jesus because of all these traditional things about where we live? Or are we following Jesus passionately because we've had a great experience and we are in a great relationship with him? Because what we see right now for Thomas is that simply traditional following the Lord and kind of so heartedly, hey, I come to church on Sundays. Hey, I come to Greenhouse on Wednesdays. Hey, I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do on the outside never cured his doubts, never cured his shame, never cured his anxiety, never cured his fear, never cured all those things. But what did happen is when Thomas felt for himself and he experienced the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself, all of that changed. And he said, my Lord and my God. Guys, the question I have for us all here, guys, is, is quite honestly, this question right here, Am I following because of tradition? Am I following because I'm in a relationship with the Lord? Because the relationship will change you. The relationship will change everything. Guys, until we have experienced the power of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we will constantly in this life be ruled by fear, by doubt, by shame, by all those things. Until we experience for ourselves. And what is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus? The truth of the resurrection of Jesus, guys, is the gospel message, is the gospel story, is what Jesus came to this earth to do for you, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, the life that none of us could live on our own, and died the death that all of us deserved so that he could rescue the entire world. And guys, that, that is a message. That is something that we can hold on to. That is something that we can grasp, that we can hold on to. That is a great hope that eliminates doubt. And that is a great hope that eliminates fear. And that is a great hope that eliminates all the evil of this world. Is that there is a God who loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross for you. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is this. If you do not have a personal vibrant walking relationship. And again, we go back to that definition of a disciple. Daily following, daily walking, daily learning. If you do not have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, guys, I'm just going to tell you, your life is going to be run and ruled by dark, evil things. Things that are going to cause doubt, things that are going to cause hurt, things that are going to eliminate all traces of hope from your life. But guys, what God offers is a free gift. And God offers a free gift of being in a relationship with his son, being in a relationship with him. That we talked all far retreat, that we are known by the God of the universe, that we can know him in return. Now, so I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I'm going to ask you guys just head bowed, eyes closed for just a second. And here's what I want to ask you guys. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Hey, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going home to here in a little bit. 
I don't know what you are going to school to face tomorrow. I don't know the things you face in this earth, in this world, God. Guys, but the God of the universe loves you, and the God of the universe sent his son to die for you. And, and you see this moment where Thomas feels the scars, when Thomas feels the nail prints, when Thomas feels where the sword stuck Jesus in the side, that you see this moment that Thomas experienced Jesus and his whole life changed. And guys, if that's you here tonight and you desperately want to be changed and you desperately need hope, you desperately need forgiveness, guys, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to look up at me for just a second. Hey, some of these decisions might be, hey, for the first time in my entire life, I want to be in a relationship with the Lord. Some of these decisions might be, hey, look, just like Thomas, hey, I know Jesus, I've followed him, but, but hey, I, I just need a moment just to reflect and refocus my life. If that's you guys, that's awesome. What I want to encourage you to do is right here at the front, guys, the altar is open, you can come pray. Hey, I'm going to ask all my small group leaders if you guys would stand up where you're at. Some of you guys in the balcony, everything like that. Guys, I'm going to give y'all an opportunity to look around and see where your small group leaders are. So y'all y'all can, can pick your heads up. Y'all can look around and see where your small group leaders are. Hey, if you're here tonight and you just want to have a conversation, just walk up and say, hey, I, just let me talk to you. Hey, we, we welcome that. We, we would love that. And guys, don't leave here tonight without hope. Don't leave here tonight without assurance. Don't leave here tonight without a relationship with the God of the universe who changes everything about your life. As I said, I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old when I experienced Christ for the first time. Now I'm not putting freshmen in the hospital anymore, I promise. But my life has changed because for the first time in my life, I was a pastor's kid. I lived my entire life, VBS, church. I knew every story. I knew everything. I could tell you frontwards, backwards. I knew every word to every Chris Tomlin song known to mankind, I promise you. But it wasn't until I was 17 and I experienced for myself what a relationship with the God of the universe meant that things changed for me. And things can change for you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. <clears throat> God, we're grateful that you are a God who gives hope, that you're the author of hope, you're the author of peace, that you're the author of every good and perfect thing in this world. And God, in a relationship with you, we can have those things. God, your word says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. It's gone. It's dead. It's buried. It's never coming back again. And God, with being a new creation, that also means that we have an opportunity to be new. And we have an opportunity to have a new hope. And we have an opportunity to have a new life, a new future, new everything, God. And Lord, I pray for my friends here in this place that are dissatisfied with life as it currently is that are in desperate need of new or desperate need of renewal or in desperate need of regeneration or in desperate need of a relationship with the God of the universe. God, that tonight would be the night, whether it's come up and pray, whether it's finding a small group leader, going outside, whether it's a conversation over a piece of pizza here in just a little bit, God, that you would make yourself known. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.